The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Don't be too certain that you're going to fly away someday to heaven. It's very serious and it's very sobering. 
It's very easy in our culture to say, oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I know that if I die, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to heaven. I've dealt recently with some people who were dying. And they said to me, Pastor, I'm ready to go. But I know from recognizing their lifestyle and their hearts that they're not even beginning to be ready to go and meet Jesus. That they would not arrive in heaven. They would find themselves facing the judgment and hell and they would be weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth and saying, why? I was ready to come to heaven. I want to go to heaven with Jesus. No, you don't. You wouldn't be happy there. You wouldn't have your entertainment there. You wouldn't have all the things that you filled your life with there. You're only going to have Jesus there. Don't be too certain. In fact, have serious doubt about yourself. Search carefully your heart. Are you really ready to go to heaven? Don't rely on your emotions. Don't rely on what you think of yourself. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. It matters what Jesus thinks about you. Now, as Jesus was teaching the crowds, he was teaching them that they must repent or they would perish. He was very forthright. So much so that some of the people came to him in Luke, the 13th chapter, and they said to him, Lord, are only a few being saved? In other words, from Jesus' teaching, they're beginning to get the idea that only a few are going to be saved. Well, you have to quickly ask, what are we being saved from? And, and if you answer the question, we're being saved from hell, that's the wrong answer. If you answer the question, what are we being saved from? And you answer from the culture, that's the wrong answer. The salvation of Jesus is only for one thing, to save you from sin, to save you from deliberate rebellion and rising up against the Father, from being absorbed in the world and the culture of America. You must be saved from this. Remember Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. Remember, he said, the thorns are the cares of this life, the responsibilities of this life. In other words, just going day by day and performing your responsibilities and being exhausted by all of your work and all of your running, that will cause you to not be able to enter into heaven. Well, doesn't Jesus want me to fulfill my responsibility? No, if he didn't assign it to you. He didn't assign to you the task of driving your children to every kind of entertainment, 
to the dance classes and to the soccer classes and to this and to that, to give your children all of the best of our culture. He called you to be holy before him, to be separate from the world, to teach your children to be separate from the world, not to indulge in all of the wonderful, remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are many good things you can spend your time and energy on, but they will not bring you to heaven and they will not bring your children to heaven. Instead, you will be utterly exhausted just trying to provide every good thing for your children. It's so easy to get caught in these traps. God didn't call us to give our children every advantage in our culture. He called us to give our children Jesus with love and compassion, mercy, and very, very stern discipline. He answers this question, Lord, are only a few being saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. That's the groaning door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able to once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Then you will stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. He will answer you, I don't know you or where you're from. And then you will say, we ate and we drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. Today you'll say, look, I took communion. I went and listened to the preacher every Sunday. But he will say to you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me. All you workers of unrighteousness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham and Isaac <coughs> pardon me you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God but you yourselves thrown out they will come from the east and the west from the north and the south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God some are least who will be first, and some who are first will be last. That's Luke, 13th chapter, beginning with verse 23. Now, we've been talking this week about resisting, resisting the work of God in our hearts. And the evidence of our resisting the work of the Holy Spirit is grumbling and complaining. When a person is grumbling or complaining, they are making accusations against the God of heaven. Grumbling, <coughs> pardon me, grumbling and complaining is saying, I'm not being treated fairly, and I deserve better than this grumbling against your husband or your wife 
expectations they kill a marriage expectations you have to do this and that you have to be like this and you have to be like that expectations at work expectations at church do you have issues today do you have concerns today for your own life things you're not happy with you find yourself grumbling grumbling God hates grumblers but you can't stop grumbling by just saying well I won't grumble anymore pastor well what do you do about what bubbles up in your heart do you have a grumbling heart you get in bad moods all of this is a sign of resistance of defensiveness against the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart a refusal to submit to him. Now I've been sharing with you about Hosea being told to go and marry a a prostitute, a promiscuous woman. And they have children. Now this whole book of Hosea is so excruciatingly painful to me because It is the description of what happened between God and Israel as he is divorcing them and as they are divorcing him. Divorce is always a very painful, heart-rending situation. God hates divorce. And usually divorce happens for simply one reason. One or both of the partners in the marriage refuses refuses to humble their hearts they hunker down and harden their position and usually divorce takes two people and of course when you finally reach the stage where you are stonewalling each other that's the sign that divorce is imminent what do I mean by stonewalling I mean where you withhold and no longer share your feelings no longer share your thoughts no longer share your dreams and your hopes you no longer share intimacy intimacy is a heart sharing Intimacy is where we feel safe enough to begin to talk about our innermost thoughts and feelings. And we know that they'll be received and not scorned and not cast off, not ridiculed and not mocked. That they will be heard. Sometimes in counseling, I'll have a couple sit back to back and I'll have the one who's the angry one ask the other partner would you listen to me and then have them just express every angry thought in their heart 
and then have the other partner repeat back as best they can what they heard their partner say and then say to the angry partner have you have you a feeling now that you have been heard yes or no if the answer is no okay say it again okay partner say back now what you've heard until finally there is clear communication and they are actually hearing one another and the resistance is broken down and there's room for tenderness to come and the marriage can be saved some marriages cannot be saved and the marriage between Israel and God could not be saved because Israel would not listen God would pour out his heart but Israel would not listen God wanted to forgive them it's God's way to forgive but he could not forgive them until they were ready to obey him now in this process of God narrowing this road down this groaning gate that we must go through to walk with Jesus in chapter 3 of Hosea it begins to speak about a way of God that I have never heard spoken of outside of the National Prayer Chapel but I want to talk to you briefly about it the Lord said to me Verse 1 of chapter 3, this is Hosea 3, 1. Go again and show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. So Gomer has left him, and she's run off with another man. And she's being an adulterer because she's still married to Hosea. And the Lord says, go after her. You've had three children with her. Go after her again. So, do this because the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love their raisin cakes. In other words, look, I'm going to come after Israel one more time. But I'm going to do something a little different this time. Remember, yesterday we spoke about how he blocked up our way and brought us out into the desert where he tried to woo us. That was unsuccessful with, with Israel. They would not be wooed by God. They had too many other opportunities to go and play with darkness, with the devil. They were too busy with their lifestyle, with their money, and they were paying whatever price they had to, slashing their backs, acting like slaves to get their lifestyle, to, to make their new car payment, to make their house payment, to, to pay their debt. Could I be real honest with some of you today? You've gone so far in debt you have to beat yourself up in order to make the money to pay for your debt. 
and God is not pleased with you. You are imprisoned in your debt. I know of people who have gotten married and immediately gone out and bought new cars, spent their credit cards up, and suddenly they find themselves deep in debt. And now the marriage fights are about irresponsible use of money, but they're already deep in debt. Sometimes they end up with their cars being repoed. Sometimes they lose everything. It's a lesson that must be learned the hard way, unfortunately. Well, he went after his adulterous wife. And yes, he did find her with another man. And that man demanded a bride price. Okay, you want your wife back? I've spent this amount. You have to pay me if you want her back. So he bought her. He gave silver and bushels of barley grain. And then when he got her home, he said to her, You must live with me many days. And don't be promiscuous or belong to any other man, and I will act the same toward you. In other words, let's reestablish the covenant between us. You are to belong to me, and I am to belong to you. I will love you if you will love me. Now, listen to verses 4 and 5. This is Hosea, the third chapter. For the Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or household idols. What's he saying? He's saying, look, because of your unfaithfulness, you will, by your sin, bring yourself into a situation where you will have to simply grind out day by day a trustworthy life with God. In other words, you're not going to feel his love. You're not going to hear from him. You're going to do it the hard way. You're going to not be able to go and offer your sacrifice and share in the meat. You're not going to be able to go to a sacred pillar and have your prostitute, your temple prostitute. You're not going to be able to use the ephod to find out what God's will is. He's not going to answer your prayers anymore. And you're not going to be able to turn to an idol. This is a time of testing. This is a time of regaining trust between you and God. This comes into a person's life when they have abundantly sinned against the Lord. They have walked in uncleanness before the Lord. They have had their mind seared by the television and the movies and the entertainment. I went recently and I'm a member of a 
of a health club. I pay the wonderful gift of $5 a year to belong to it. And I was in the hot sauna because I've had a cold. And as I'm sitting there in that hot sauna sweating, there's a man next to me, a great big hunk of a guy, and he's got a cell phone in his hand. And I look over to see what's captivating him. You know what it was? It was one of those video games. Here's a grown man, great, muscular, strong man, with a mind given to a violent video game. And some of you are utterly given, even though you are an adult size, and yet your mind is captivated. You are like a small child. You are like a boy or a little girl. And you are captivated by these wicked video games. Some of you love to play the boxing video game or the football game or the sci-fi games. And they captivate you. Well, when you walk that way, you sear your mind. You sear your heart before God. When you sit for hours and you watch the professional sports, you sear your mind before God. And when you turn away from that wickedness, when you turn away from that pornography, when you turn away from the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, after you have been resisting the Holy Spirit, time after time after time he's spoken to you and you have blocked him out, and you have run to your idols. The day will come when in great sadness you will want to return to God. And now you're going to say, wow, God is a hard man. Jesus is a hard man. No, he's not. You're the hard head, not Jesus. And after you've walked in the worldliness of this culture... And you want now to come to Jesus. You're going to have to turn off all of these outside things that you've been filling your heart and your mind with. And you're not going to hear from God immediately. And when you read the scriptures, you're going to go to sleep. I remember when I was in this condition. Some 25 years ago, I began to finally hear God say, read the scriptures. I used to read them only for sermon preparation. Now it is my life. And when I sit down and begin to read the scriptures, they, they come alive like a, like a movie. I'm looking at a movie screen. I'm seeing, I'm smelling, I'm touching. They're alive. The word is alive to me. Why? Because my mind is not seared by this world any longer. But I remember having to actually stand up and walk around while I read the scriptures out loud, or I would just go to sleep. It was boring to me. And the Holy Spirit said, if you want my power, read my word. I had no choice. If I wanted to follow after Jesus, he said, read my word. And so I read it. I had to grind it out day by day by day, waiting for it to be made alive by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you today, as I speak with you, 
there's a calling in your heart but you have walked for so long in your sin that as you begin to come to the Lord God of heaven you're not going to have answered prayer and you're not going to be able to go back to your idols you're not going to be able to enter into the feasting of the table of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. Instead, you are going to have to simply grind out day after day while the Holy Spirit removes the calluses from your mind and your heart. And it's not an easy time. And it feels like that gate is becoming more and more narrow on your life as the Holy Spirit says, stop doing that. Let go of that. Drop those cigarettes. You don't need them anymore. Stop that alcohol. You know, when my, when my girls were, were just little and, and the first words they began to learn, I was very troubled because one of the first words they learned was no. It was no, 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 no. Well, they were mimicking me. As they were beginning to grow, I was saying, no, don't touch that stove. No, don't go there. No, you can't go up those stairs. You're not big enough yet. No, no, no. To guard their hearts, the Holy Spirit does the same thing with us. He begins to say, no, don't go there. Don't go to that strip club anymore. Don't go to that erotic massage anymore. Don't go to that video game. Don't go to that movie. Don't go to that club. Stop the drinking. Stop the alcohol. Stop no, no, no. And as he speaks this to us, it feels like that gate is becoming more and more narrow. And we have to grind out because we have walked so long in rebellion against the Lord. And it takes great courage. There's a man in our church. He's experienced this. He was called to the Lord, and the Lord was very intimate and very close with him. But over time, he went back and rebuilt what the Holy Spirit had destroyed. And he gave himself to rampant sin. And now, by the grace of God, he's being completely restored to the presence of Jesus. <coughs> Pardon me, it's not easy. And he's having to grind out. And by grace, God is speaking to him through the scriptures and encouraging his heart. But he doesn't feel the love. He doesn't feel. He can't go on his feelings. He simply has to grind out the steps of righteousness and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit as he is directed step by step in what he must do. Another man has said, look, feels like this thing is just closing in on me. Some two years at the National Prayer Chapel as a whole congregation of men and women. God felt like a very hard God. But God was not being hard with us. We were being hard with him. Jesus is not a hard man. 
the God of the Old Testament is not a hard man. The, the God of the Old Testament is literally Jesus. We find that in Colossians, the first chapter, Hebrews, the first chapter, first, uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. It was Jesus who was the God, who was the creator God of, of the heavens and the earth. It was God, Jesus, who created Adam and Eve. It was Jesus who stood on Mount Sinai and pronounced the law. Yes, it was the old covenant, and now we're under the new covenant. But under the new covenant, it's no longer the external behavior only, but it's also the internal. And that's where he promised, I will write my law on your hearts. This is all by grace. It's all by faith. It's not by hard work, but there is a grinding out of righteousness that is necessary as we walk under the discipline of God. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, read it carefully. Where are you in this process? Have you refused to grind out this righteousness that I'm speaking of? I'm going to open the phone lines. I have a lot more to say today, and we may not get much further, because I'd like to hear from you. Does God feel hard to you? Have you left your sin? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, pardon me, but I've never heard anybody outside of the National Prayer Chapel talk about these things. I'm sure we're not special. But I just, I don't hear it in an American church. I can go to the old timers and I can read it there in John Wesley and Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards. Go to the old timers, it's very clear. But not in our modern churches where we're pampered and treated like wonderful little children on our way to heaven are you kidding me most of our churches are filled with sentimental pagans with a spray paint job of jesus your life you have to come to terms with what it means to be a true follower of jesus christ and give up the world and the things of the flesh that's the call of Jesus on your heart. Will you walk under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, we're called to walk in the Spirit, but He's not sentimental. He wants obedience, He wants to set us free. So, our phone number here in studio, and I'm opening early. It's 877-534-0780. I'm here. I'll pray with you. I'll talk with you. I want you to understand these things. I'm not here to fight with you or to argue with you. I won't do that. If you call and argue and fight with me, I'll just say, Mr. Producer, hang that one up. Let's take the next call. This is, for me, very serious stuff. It's not about an intellectual argument. It's about experientially coming into the presence of Jesus, humbling our hearts and gaining the victory. Have you gained the victory? 
do you need to be prayed for today? We have lots of time. If you'd like to call, call right now, 877-534-0780. Has this study in Hosea been helpful to you? There's more. And next week, we'll continue with the book of Hosea, and we'll finish it up. But today, I'd like to speak with with you if God seems hard to you, if the Christian walk seems hard to you, or if the Christian walk seems like a walk in the park and and you're fine and you still walk in your sin and you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. 877-534-0780 I met a man last night, a a man who claims to be an atheist. And he said to me, Pastor Ray, would you talk to me about Gnosticism? What is it? And why does it seem so important in our day? So I described for him the basic tenets of Gnosticism and talked about the difference that it makes to walk as a Christian versus a Gnostic. The Gnostics with their hidden and secret knowledge, their division between flesh and spirit, their belief that they could walk in any kind of uncleanness and they were saved because their spirit was like gold and it could not be tarnished. the gospel today has become very Gnostic in our culture and most preachers in America preach a Gnostic gospel the sinning Christian I'm very concerned for you today (laughs) what will it take for you to make a decision I will serve Jesus Christ and I will belong to him and I will do whatever is necessary to walk in obedience to his word. I will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give me. I will not reach out and grab and growl for myself. As one dear woman said, I go in the prayer closet and I reach up when God's not looking and I grab off his table what I want and then I run. I shuddered. I can't reach up and grab anything from God. I come as a servant before the Almighty God. I come as his son. I come as his family. He is my father. I'm not going to steal from my father. I'm not going to grab something from my father's table. I will receive from God's hand only what he chooses to give me. While I'm waiting for your call, 877-534-0780, let me talk about another issue for a minute. We've come to the end of the month. This is the last full week. 
and we are still a long way from having what we need to pay for this radio broadcast. This week is in fact, the whole month has been very slow. Many of you gave at the beginning of the month, and that covered last month's radio bill wonderfully well. And I thank each of you who has continued giving. This week, there's been no mail at all because I haven't talked about it, I guess. I wish I didn't need to even raise the issue, but I do because I have to be responsible before Jesus to talk with you and tell you what the need is. Right now, we're more than $2,500 short of what we need to meet the radio bill for this month. That is $2,500. Now, by God's grace, one man has made a pledge of $1,500. So that brings us down to about $1,000 that we owe yet for this month, that we're short. So... If this broadcast is helpful to you and you want it to remain on the air and you believe that it's helpful to you in your life and you believe it's helpful to others in their walk with Jesus, would you take action today? Would you take action today? Would you join together with me and with brothers and sisters? Always I've found that God wants to support his work with free will tithes and offerings, not with selling you things, not with doing fundraisers. No, the work of the gospel is to be paid for by God's people as they are encouraged and as they're fed, as they're ministered to. So if you've been ministered to and you've been fed and you want others to have the opportunity to hear Pilgrim's Progress, would you take action today and would you give sacrificially that this radio broadcast could be on the air next month? I just stand by faith that when I tell you what the need is, you're going to respond. I praise God for the wonderful brother who has pledged $1,500 that's an incredible gift, and I praise God for he and his family. Others of you can't give that amount. Some of you can give more. So I just ask, would you give what you can? And would you mail that gift to the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346? That's Post Office Box 23. 46 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 That's National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 At this point this is a volunteer operation I don't have people who write thank you notes for me. I try to get those done and I'm way behind because I've been down sick this month. I've been spending time fasting and praying before the Lord this month. I'm just trusting that God will move in your heart and we'll be able to pay for this month. Our 
Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, do we have any calls? Well, then let's play that song we played yesterday, Trust and Obey. Do you have that handy? Okay, Mr. Producer, do we have a call? Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastor Ray, how are you? Good. Good. I was um, calling to ask for prayer earlier when you started the broadcast. You talked about um, our children, and I was calling to ask for prayer for wisdom as to how to um, seek uh, the Lord first and his kingdom and his righteousness um, and guide my children along that path and um, just do that every day. Yes. Okay, let's pray. Mighty God, my sister is concerned about how to walk with her children in your spirit. And I know, Lord, that 
Only you can teach her how to do that. For every child is different, and every home situation is different. But I pray, Lord, that you will come with divine presence and power into this home for this mother and teach her, show her, speak to her, Lord, that she would know how to love her children with such love and such compassion that their hearts would be drawn to you that they would belong utterly and completely, that they would not see Mama doing things and acting in ways that turn them away from you, Jesus. But they would see a godly example before their eyes, and they would be so loved and so disciplined and so drawn after you, Jesus, that their hearts would be fully given to you and they would be converted. For, Lord, every child must be converted. And, Lord, if her children have not yet made that decision, would you give them the courage to follow their mama and make that decision? Lord, I pray that you will give her the insight and the understanding she needs to walk wholly with them and with her husband. Lord, thank you for her heart, for her children. Would you open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for this mother and every other mother that's listening to this broadcast. Lord, we need your wisdom to know how to deal with our children. I pray you will call this mother into the prayer closet where she will receive divine instruction from your word and from your spirit regarding how she is to walk before you with fear and trembling in the fullness of your love and your grace and your mercy. I pray your peace upon her and in her heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. God bless you. Thank you. We have just five minutes left. 877 Five three four zero seven eight zero. I'm happy to pray with one more person, but you'll have to be quick. Mr. Producer, are there any other calls coming? I hope you hear what I'm saying to you today. God is not the hard one. We are. It's our hard hearts and our hard heads that makes following Jesus seem difficult at times. And the answer is entire consecration, full submission, lifting up our hands and saying, Jesus, I will only receive from your hand what you choose to give me. I will not reach out and take from myself any longer. And as we ask Jesus to come in and rule over us, the Holy Spirit will introduce us to the school of the Holy Spirit and he will begin to walk us through the narrow gate and down that narrow path and up that mountain of difficulty and down into the valley of the shadow of death he will walk with us even as Bunyan described it in Pilgrim's Progress and if you have not read Pilgrim's Progress go to the bookstore go on Amazon buy a copy of it 
and read it. Pray over it. I also would like to invite you to go to our webpage. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. I also would like to invite you to go to visit with us at the National Prayer Chapel. People drive from Frederick, Maryland to Woodbridge. They drive from Hyattsville. They drive from Fort Meade. They drive from all over the area. It's not too far to drive if your heart wants Jesus. So I invite you to come. Our services are held at the All Saints Anglican Church. The All Saints Anglican Church. They're located in Woodbridge, Virginia. Let me give you the address. It's 14851 Gideon Drive. I know many of you have wanted to come and visit, but you've just been busy. I'm asking you, lay your busyness aside and come and fellowship in the presence of God. All Saints Anglican Church, located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. We're out of time for today's broadcast. I've enjoyed being with you today. I pray that this broadcast has been helpful to you. I love you, my brother, my sister. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our services begin at 12 noon. Come join us. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> 